Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the One Shop Movement Podcast, where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs, business people, people that are just out there making it happen. And today I'm with an inspiring uh, entrepreneur by the name of Ryan Magic. He's a speaker. He's um, got a really interesting story, which we'll dive into, and a lot about anxiousness when he was young and growing up and overcoming that and then becoming a business person, getting out of his comfort zone. It's a really fascinating conversation. He actually built his first six-figure business age 19, his first seven-figure business age 22, and an eight-figure business by the age of 26. And he says while he was wealthy at that age, he was spiritually empty and started all over again. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode and conversation with Ryan Magic. Okay, everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the One Shop Movement Podcast, where we dive deep into the stories of entrepreneurs, business people, movers and shakers that are out there making it happen. And today we are with Ryan Magic, which uh, is an incredible speaker who's um, built businesses, six-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure. Uh, figure businesses, and we'll talk about different stages of that. His first six-figure business when he was 19 years of age, and built an eight-figure business by the age of 26. So we're going to talk a little bit about his journey, his background, dive into his superpowers. But I'm really fascinated by his story, and we're going to touch about how he combines wealth and spirituality all into the one bucket. So welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for having me on, Craig. I'm excited to chat. I love doing these podcasts, so. Let's see where we can take this. Yeah, absolutely. And let's just, I always like to provide a bit of context to you, the story and background that usually like leads off into different directions. So I'd love to hear about your journey, like a six figure business, 19 and an eight figure business by 26. It's that's quite impressive, but I have a real interesting story around the whole spiritual side of business and life as well. And, um, and yeah, I'm really interested to talk to you down that laneway too. So I'd love to hear about your story. Great. Well, that's a, I could talk, we could put, make this a whole podcast and you could just sign off and I could talk and just like, there goes the hour is <laughs> my story. I can, I can talk about that for ages, but I'll just give a little bit of a kind of a, a rough background into my upbringing. I essentially grew up as a really uh, shy young dude uh, in a family that was where my mom and my dad were both uh, drug abusive parents. Like they just didn't have their life together. And so it was pretty unstable. And, you know, that had me grow up in an environment that was a bit unusual. And yeah, I was just really nervous and shy and quiet growing up um, through my kind of primary school I was just super reserved and shut off but my dad was always uh, his intention was for me to grow up in a way that was different to what his life turned out to be and so he was always really trying to push me into doing the best that I could with things and um, he pushed me into sport and he was very strict and he wasn't around a lot so when he was around he was always getting me to you know, giving me feedback on my sports and giving me feedback on my schoolwork, not specifically, but just like, what are your grades and stuff like this. So I grew up learning from a very young age that for me, I thought I would receive love if I achieve things. And so I built what I would be called an achiever's script. And so, you know, as I was kind of going through my teenage years, I, um, when I was 13, my mom left because she was kind of suicidal and left my dad and then I was stuck with him and that was a whole other story. But um, I kind of threw primary school because I was achieving a lot. I was like good at academics and good at sport, but very, very shy and nervous. I kind of built some conditional confidence up where I was like, I'm actually doing really well with things. And then when I went to high school and I went to a new school where I didn't really have any friends from my primary school because I got a scholarship to a, a private school. Um, and then my mum left. I kind of lost, lost all of my confidence again because it was never really a grounded sense of self. It was always conditional based upon how I was kind of achieving and doing. And, and then I, um, when my mom left, it just shattered my kind of whole world and I became very reserved and anxious. And, and then I kind of rebuilt it up similar to how I did in, in primary school by kind of getting better at things again. And I was just very, very shy and anxious. And then when I got to the end of high school, 
uh, I realized that, you know, I hadn't really been having a full crack in, in high school because I was so nervous. And I just went on this full process of personal development to try to like reclaim my power. I actually had when I was 16, uh, a mentor of mine from a golf course, because I used to play golf growing up, gift me a, an iPod uh, based on winning this competition or shooting a certain score in golf. And he said, I'll buy you an iPod if you shoot the score. And I did. And then he loaded a bunch of personal development tapes on there, Tony Robbins tapes, mm -hmm. which was the turning point for me to realize that I wasn't my circumstance and I could actually go after something greater than I thought that I was just taking up space in every room that I was in. Really, I was so anxious and nervous. And then I was still I was trying to make changes getting to the end of high school. But then when I, when I finished and I could break the anchors that I had to my environments there and the way that people saw me and already knew me. And I was like, I'm just going to go and tackle every fear that I have. I tackled my fear of public speaking. I tackled my fear of sales and talking to girls. I'd go clubbing by myself and just meet people and talk to people, which all of this was terrifying for me. I even did a male strip show, which was just <laughs> to try to like really put myself outside my comfort zone. And then I moved to a state where I didn't know anyone and just put myself through the ringer essentially, which did build possibility inside of me. And one of those fear challenges was starting a business cold calling and sucked at it at the start and was terrified of it. And, you know, eventually was, I was selling websites to tradies and I eventually got some runs on the board and that was the business that I built to six figures. And, uh, you know, within a few months I had one week where I'd made $6,000 and I was making $8 an hour at the golf club prior to that. So six grand in a week, I like, couldn't believe it. I was like, this is incredible. And so I was, you know, I was hooked on the business drug of like, wow, I can do something more. Um, and then after doing that for a little while, I, I went, what's the vehicle for me? Because I can, I've proven that I can make some money in business, but I don't really love making websites for tradies. Uh, and then I went on this whole process of finding my dream business. And then I started that about six or seven years ago. Um, and then I recently finished that business and kind of moved into something else. So I'll, pa I'll pause the story there because I feel like that's yeah, pretty Yeah, it's long. a really interesting, yeah, really interesting part of the journey. Like, I mean, my background, I grew up on a, a small mining town of a thousand people and at age 15, our school only went to year 10. So I was pretty much, you know, off on my journey at that period of time. And it's very similar in a way where, you know, I just always was prepared to do what it takes, you know, and challenge myself and put myself out of my comfort zone. I wasn't shy or introverted. I'd always, you know, a captain of the school footy team or the school captain or, you know, so I had that level of confidence. But in a similar way, you know, I've, I've always just tried to challenge myself and, and become very resourceful from the age of sort of 15 as well. So quite fascinating to hear that. But it's a really important lesson for people that, you know, you, sometimes you just got to go and fail or go and do something that scares you and, and that there could be your break through moment and so many people come on here do say that um you know tony robbins has changed their life and and you know that's personal development's everything isn't it so pick up the story i think it's a really great point but what i really want the listeners to to feel into here and understand is that even though i'm kind of certain and and, and more confident in who i am now Back when I left high school, I was just so anxious. Like I was, I was genuinely really, really nervous uh, just as a person walking around feeling heavy anxiety every day. And that was because I would go home in my teenage years and just my dad would be picking on me, trying to like find his own confidence and validation. And same with my sister. And we just didn't get in these big fights. It would just escalate and escalate and escalate until the point that he's like saying that he's going to end his life and it's going to be mine and my sister's fault. And then we'd fall in start crying and every night that was what we went through for years and then every day i'd go to school feeling like a shell because i was so anxious from there so that just got hammered into me for a long time and i ended up leaving home in in uh year 12 my last year of school so that i could just get out because i just felt so like I, I didn't know that i would be able to but i just happened to get out and stay with a friend in my last year of school and that was my opportunity to leave but i was so anxious and the thing, and the reason that I started tackling all these fears, which sound really extreme, and some people might be listening going, what, you're able to do all this stuff? That's actually really scary. And it was really scary. But the reason I got to the point where I had to do all those things was because I was so held back by 
fear and anxiety my whole life where I just, I didn't feel like I could do much of what I wanted to do because I was so scared all the time. And I just knew that it had to change. And so it was the hardest thing ever in the whole world to, to make the initial leap and keep choosing courage over comfort to, to change my circumstance at that time. But it created that initial breakthrough that I needed to go, whoa, I can actually do something outside of my situation. This anxiety and fear doesn't have to define me. And, and that was my first kind of like hurrah in my personal development journey. Then when I started my dream business of winning international, it was a similar kind of uh, at, at that time when I kind of found the vehicle that I wanted to sink my teeth into for a few years. And I was 21 at this point. Um, but I, I, I was so, again, I was really afraid of getting on my path. And then when I launched this business, because I knew I was just stepping into speaking, I wanted to pay forward what Tony Robbins had helped me do. And I thought I'd do that when I'm 30 or 40. But then I was like, what if I die? What if I died right now? Or what if I died in a month's time? What if I died in a year's time? And I was just doing these business. I was running a digital agency at this point as well that I'd scaled up and had a team of eight. And I was like, what if I died right now? And I just had this digital agency show. Sure, I've got a nice little team culture and stuff, but this is not what I want to be remembered for. Like I, I want to have more of a legacy. And I, if my kids, like if my future kids were watching back at my journey and they wanted to go and, you know, a girl that wanted to become a ballerina and go to New York and chase her dream. You know, I really wanted to be able to just say that I'd chased mine. And so I'd, I'd quit my whole business and I invested in a $50,000 mentor, which was a 5k deposit and a thousand dollars a week over 12 months. And I didn't even have the money for that because I instantly shut down my digital agency, which cost a fortune to do because I refunded a bunch of clients and I hired a manager to see out the projects I couldn't refund. And so I was kind of back at square one on purpose. And then I put myself into a corner to fight my way out. And, and I made that business a reality really quickly because I've, I made this big switch around instead of measuring my success based off the financial finances that I had, I'm going to measure my success in business based on the action that I took. And that was the only way I could justify starting a seminar because I was so afraid that if I ran a seminar, I would be laughed at or no one would show up or people would show up and they wouldn't like the content or I wouldn't be able to make sales off there. And my whole dream wouldn't come to fruition. So I just said, I'm going to run a seminar every week until it, it works, meaning I've got cash flow from it. And then I ended up making five sales in my first week at a thousand each, five sales in my second week, eight sales in my third week at 2000 each. And then I raised my price point to 5k. And I was so like, I, that was such a gift for me at that point. But what happened was I'm, I hit my first million in the first 10 months and I went on a rampage of growth. So it's just like, grow, 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 higher, higher, higher. And I just started to, everything was a huge, big leap, huge, big leap. But it got to a point where, and that was really hard, by the way. It wasn't just like, sweet, just easy, growing this million-dollar business. It was like, big, courageous step, big, courageous step, hire a full-time videographer to follow me around, terrifying. You know, take out a lease on a massive office space that can fit 40 stuff, terrifying. You know, hire an next person, hire the next person, hire a full-time executive. Hire, and it's just like terrifying, terrifying, terrifying. You know, raise my marketing spend to 80K a month. Terrifying. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And it was really difficult, but it actually led me to a point. And, and I was like, had to steamroll so hard to get to that point that I didn't realize that I was perpetuating that same script that I was taught from my dad when I was five years old that I needed to achieve to be worthy of love. And so even at that point when I was doing really, really well, and I'd worked damn hard to get to the point where I was doing well, I didn't actually have a grounded sense of being okay with just Ryan Magic, just who I was. I was Ryan Mag, Mag Josh, which is my last name in Pol my Polish last name. Uh, but I, I didn't feel okay just walking into a room. If I walked into a room and there was someone that was more successful than me and younger than me, then I was like, oh, what are you doing, Ryan? You need to up your game. Or, you know, I was, you know, always focused on judging myself and judging others based on their success. And it never ended because it was yeah. like, a, it was like a drug. And so I worked so damn hard to get to this point. And then I realized this whole thing is me just trying to prove myself to the world. And that then spun off in this whole other chapter of learning to love myself and spirituality, which yeah. so, you know, it's a, it's an intense, it's an intense journey, this thing we call life. 
Yeah, it's a really interesting and fascinating pursuit and it is a journey and it is it evolves over time and yeah, I've been doing business for 20 years. I started owning fitness clubs and then I um, launched a direct selling company and did that for 10 years and I've been, you know, the last three years I've evolved a, a little bit more again. Um, I engaged uh, Jack DeLosa to work closely with me and, you know, I've sort of taken my personal brand to a, a new level which, you know, that's exciting you but i bought program yeah awesome i was actually probably second client <laughs> um, Amazing. So, yeah so you know but i've evolved in you know i'm an investor in private companies now you know i've got i could retire on probably my property portfolio um but I come back and it'll probably lead into the spiritual chapter is this whole one-shot movement was driven off my wife and I having a stillborn baby. Um, and I went into there as on a really good journey of success and life. But I left that uh, hospital and uh, speaking at the funeral with a real deep desire to really understand what life was all about. So I basically said in the eulogy, which this is all manifesting out at the moment and it will lead into this next part. So I said to my, um, you know, that he didn't have one breath on this planet. We're all here. What, you know, what are we, what are we complaining about? You know, we're on the journey, we're in the game. And, you know, I just sort of wanted to carry the message forward of live life with passion and purpose. You've got one shot at life, give it your best shot. And I know that you've, you know, you say in your chapter or your, you know, in your bio, your website says, um, you know, your, uh, very well off financially, but spiritually empty. Um, do you want to pick up the story from there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for sharing your your story and the vulnerability around your uh, still the stillbirth. Um, and I'm sorry about that, but I'm sure it sounds like it was a gift in its in its own mm. unique way. Yeah, how for you exploring spirituality? Yeah, interesting. These things that are the most painful for us. The things that are the most painful for us in life are often where the most, the, the strongest gifts are as well. Mm. And I always say like the strongest lessons come with blood, like the most. <laughs> so yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. So yeah, I got to this point where, yeah, I had the financial success of the business and we were doing three to $400,000 a month. And I was like, I had acquired the things that I'd always wanted. Because I looked up to my uncle when I was younger, who was way more confident than I was. I was just a shy little kid. But he had a C63, and I always dreamed of having C63 AMG uh, Mercedes. And I had the poster on my wall when I was like 18. And I ended up getting it when I was 22, I think. And I had the C63, my little supercar. And then I, got a, I had a four-story house. And then I attracted my gorgeous dream partner. And then I could just go wherever I wanted, wherever I wanted and just travel. Mm. But then, in, and so I had what I thought was going to bring me success. Uh, sorry, happiness and fulfillment. But it was just like when I got in my C63, it was almost just like my ego inflated way <laughs> bigger and I felt way less full. Mm. <laughs> was, uh, and I was, I didn't understand what was going on. And simultaneously to that, I was getting going through turbulence financially in the business is probably six months after or 12 months after I was some financial turbulence started to prop up in the business where I had an executive that stole a bunch of money and ended up causing like $700,000 in damages and, you know, had a bad leasing kind of deal moved into a massive office and ended up costing me four or 500 K as well. And I just had these things that were happening and just a lot of kind of like hits to the identity that I'd formed and felt good in. I'd felt good being the successful young guy. I felt really full being like the person that was taking over the world, you know, and changing the world. Like even the, even the positive kind of messages, like I raised a hundred thousand dollars for charity, but even that was just like, you know, I don't want to give myself too much. I don't want to pay myself out too much because I, I was doing the best that I could possibly do with what I had. And it wasn't easy to get to that point where I was like, and I was preaching these messages of strength and courage and was trying to be the best leader I could, but I was completely ignorant to the fact that there was so much fragility. Like I was so fragile in who I was because if my identity started to be challenged, 
then I did, I felt very um, empty and I felt very low in myself. And so I, I'd heard the term grounded confidence before, but I, I'd never really known what it felt like. So I would know people, I could see in some people that they were just completely cool, calm and collected in who they were. And that someone said something, they wouldn't be affected by it. They could walk into a room, people that were way less financially successful than me that just had grounded confidence. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you have to do to have grounded confidence? And so I was always trying to figure it out. And I realized that it wasn't that I had to do more. It was I actually had to do less. And Mm -hmm. so simultaneously I started meditating. And what happens when you meditate is it's the opposite of being really, really busy. Because when you're busy, you miss things. And when you create space, you see things and you create the opportunity for things to come to the surface. And I created a lot of potent space doing a lot of meditation. Uh, And I was meditating to get energy so I could achieve more essentially, (laughs) succeed faster. That's why I started doing it with, and it ended up unraveling all the insecurities that I kind of missed and the blind spots that I had on myself. Not all of them, but kind of the big initial ones around success and my identity. And I remember (laughs) my spiritual teacher, I did an advanced spiritual course. My meditation teacher, Laura Poole said, Ryan, if you want to find fulfillment and happiness in life, and you really need to start taking this stuff seriously. And I was thinking, I ain't doing this for happiness. I don't give a shit about happiness was what was going through my head. I'm doing this to get the hacks so that I can thrive at a higher level and succeed at a higher level. Mm-hmm. And then six months after that, everything started to unravel. I ended up moving that whole business on. I ended up realizing that if I didn't become okay with nothing and being a nobody, I would never know what it really means to love myself unconditionally, which is what I'd always really wanted. And so I went on this hardcore journey of actually surrendering a lot of stuff, which was the biggest courage courage action that I could do. Courageous action is actually not doing much. Instead of like being strong and powerful on stage, it was actually being okay, being vulnerable and crying and sharing emotion. Instead of like working 16 hours day, hour days, it was, can I go away and do nothing for a week? Mm. And what I thought was hard got redefined when I realized facing my true insecurities and being honest with myself with the blind spots that had come into my mind was what was going to set me free. And that's been the journey of the last, or the journey started probably three years ago, maybe even more now. I always track a time, maybe three and a half years ago. And And now I've reintegrated back into business in a more conscious, sustainable, Mm. (laughs) self-loving, calm way. Yeah, really fascinating. We we sort of probably do have very similar beliefs and everything around that. After losing Ethan, I started meditating a lot and spiritual connection type of uh, nearly a guided style meditation process and that was amazing for me in a healing process really um, but just understanding a lot more self-awareness consciousness um, you know really learning a lot more about that and as you know Jack comes into my life um, you know he's all about that and it's sort of like taking that to a bit of a different level as well um, bringing yeah. us back into business. He is now but he's been through the same journey oh because when mm. I started because I did one-to-one mentoring with him for two and a half years and when mm. I first started one-to-one mentoring with him he was just flying and then like towards the start of working together he had his kind of turbulent moments Mm. that caused him to go through the same thing that we're talking about here. And he's Mm. been such a humble role model, um, Mm. navigating this process of bringing spirituality to business. And I'm super grateful that even you, I was going to, I want to pay you some props for being open, being Mm. someone that's achieved a lot of business success and doing it for longer than what I had. And then still being willing to go, I don't actually know everything and I don't have it figured out here. I'm going to actually be vulnerable and open myself up to learning a a different way of living, essentially. Yeah, and like you talk about emotion, like, you know, I talk about it in my book. I'm just about to launch my book uh, around this conversation. One chapter is spirituality, one chapter is ego, one chapter is perspective. Um, But one conversation I have in the, I open the book talking about, you know, you know, one moment in life can change everything. And and, uh, for me, I'd never cried in front of anyone in my life and watching my wife deliver, Ethan, I cried for hours 
it felt like hours in my head in the pillow while I was supporting her going through labour. Um, and that was like, you know, disturbing a whole lot of <laughs> emotions, you know, like I was a resilient, strong, stoic, you know, if there was a business issue, I would deal with it. If there was a relationship issue, I would deal with, you know, like, but um, yeah, I, I say I went into that uh, situation and I come out of it a completely different person. And, um, you know, I, I get you probably understand that um, disruption in life as well. <laughs> so, Brain um, yeah. I'm actually doing some, um, a movie review at the moment on uh, Frozen 2. Have you seen that movie? No. Well, it's an absolute clanger. It's a kid's movie right. with like the pink dress, fairy tale, oh. Frozen 2, but it's got a bunch <laughs> of spiritual messages in it. Yeah. And uh, they talk about the idea of following your, your kind of, they call it the whisper, which is your intuition. Mm. And that they're essentially alluding to the fact that it's super inconvenient because when you've got this new kind of like core, this feeling that's saying go into this area it an intuition is designed for growth and expansion and the only way that happens is by embracing the unknown and so the main song of this movie is like you know singing this like into the unknown is kind of like the the big kind of chorus thing and it's about it's about moving into the unfamiliar where you grow and Mm. it is super inconvenient especially to a business owner that's got control because we spoke about surrender and, and business control and what we develop and, and work damn hard to get is mm. a high level of control of our lives. And then when you start embracing consciousness and spirituality, the whole essence behind it is surrender. Yeah. So you actually have to start to unlearn and let go of a huge amount of things that you've worked damn hard to build up. And for mm. someone that's like prides himself on having all their shit together, any entrepreneur damn hard to lose control and surrender that control yeah absolutely and there are a lot of people that get onto this so my whole vision mission is really around you know inspiring people and then and also providing education people to live life with passion and purpose you're in the game don't go and get into the rocking chair at the end of the um end of the journey and you know give up or, or, or have regrets um, what are a couple of key things people really need to do if they're just getting started on the journey? Yeah. Well, I love the fact that you just tapped in on regrets. I'm actually going to get a book really quickly, video version. And this is going to be the most, in, the, the, uh, the concepts of this book completely changed my life. So I can't wait to share it with you. You can see here, I've got this book. It's by mm. a lady called Bronnie Ware, who is a palliative care nurse for 12 years, helping guide people who are on their deathbed to the other side. I mean, that's pretty insane in itself. But she saw the trends of what people regret on their deathbed. And I re- referenced earlier to the idea that, you know, when I was starting stepping into my speaking kind of role was the most scary thing. What prompted me to do that was kind of facing off with death and going, what if I died? Would I have regrets? And I, I feel like most entrepreneurs have a bit of an illusion around this concept of playing life full out and what they're going to regret at the end of their life. I certainly did. I always thought that if I didn't give my every last breath, I'm going to get to the end of my life and I'm going to meet the person that I could have become. And I'm going to have to face off with that person. And there's some, there's, there's a powerful message in the sense of like, don't not go after your dreams in life. But I think a lot of people that are in this self-development industry, uh, like driven entrepreneurs and whatnot can put themselves through a masochistic pattern with this, meaning that like deriving, like putting themselves through self-sabotage and pain uh, and always putting themselves through the ringer. And if you read this book, which is such a powerful book, the five regrets of the dying, she speaks about what she saw pretty much consistently with everyone that she saw pass over to the other side in terms of regrets. And most entrepreneurs, if they don't change and start to incorporate what we're speaking about in terms of having a spiritual awakening, will literally regret all five of the most common regrets. <laughs> and that one that we spoke about, like not giving your every last breath, isn't in here. It's the opposite of that, actually. So the five regrets are number one, living a life 
uh, based on someone else's expectations, not you, your own. And essentially for most entrepreneurs, that's embedded into us at a young age. Like I spoke about with my achievers script. It's like, if I was going to die in a week's time, I wouldn't be working harder. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd be connecting with my heart. I'd be connecting with people. You see that in the movie 300 as well. Leonidas, the king who sacrifices his life to save his kingdom, right as he's dying with arrows like out of his chest, he's like, calls out to his queen because it's like the people in your life that are really important. So that's the first one. The second one is uh, working too hard is one of the biggest regrets in life that people have. And for me, I 100% would have had that. The third one is, not giving myself permission to express how I feel, not expressing what I truly wanted to express, how I feel, not being in touch with my emotions. 100% would have had that because I was way shut off, most entrepreneurs are. The fourth one is not staying in touch with friends enough. The more I worked, the less I spent time with friends. And the fifth one was not giving myself permission to be happy. And for me, I didn't give a shit about happiness. I just wanted to be more and more successful so that I could get to the end of my life and not have to meet and face off with a version of me that I could have become and, I, you know, you fucking idiot. You could have done more. You could have gone harder. Look at who you could have become. It's yeah. like, no, like not giving myself permission to love myself and be like, I'm amazing now. I can live joy joyously now. And I can bring that fulfillment and fullness on the journey now. I don't have to wait like until the end of my life to be fulfilled. And when you're actually act, can cultivate that fullness, your successes and, and your ability as an entrepreneur is so much more powerful. Because when you're not grounded and you're driving from insecurity, you miss a lot of things and you make a lot of mistakes. Mm. That's a really, really interesting conversation. And I, I did go on a leadership retreat with Jack last year and the conversation was around conscious wealth creating. And he was, you know, the example was, um, and I talk about Jack because you know him um, uh, well, yeah, the the conversation was very much around, let's say, what drives you for success. So you could be driven through an empowerment of love, gratitude, blah, 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 and you get to exit your business, you will feel fulfilled. But you can also have a successful business driven by hate, I'm going to prove you wrong, F you, and you can still build nearly like an Elon must style business where it's driven on proving everyone wrong but when you sell your business at the end you're empty and uh, it's really what you were just talking about there which is a really fascinating conversation yeah and i feel like you're so much so much weaker if you are empty on the pursuit because then you make decisions way more emotionally actually because like let's say for example with me if my self-worth is derived in how I feel like the business is going and how I'm perceived and my identity of being really successful, I want to look good. I want to look successful. And so that comes into my decision-making. It's not just profit. And it's not actually what I'm looking to do with that profit that makes me choose the decisions. It's based on looking good as well. So when I spoke about earlier, huge losses I had with getting out a, a new lease on a facility, uh, there was a, a huge office space. I actually made that decision wanting to look good and thinking, imagine how good it'd be when we had a hundred employees, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't made purely off profit because if it was, I would have like maximized more of my base that I had to drive up the profit margin before I made that decision. Henceforth, mm -hmm. the business decision was made poorly because of my insecurities. Whereas if I was full, I wouldn't give a shit if I was in some dingy office space that was way cheaper. I wouldn't care because I wasn't trying to look successful. Mm -hmm. I was actually just trying to you know, build profit for a reason or actually enjoy driving the growth of the business. Um, it's just a very, very different game. Yeah. And what about for you, like this, you know, I'm sure your answer is going to be quite powerful here. Like, I guess contribution is, you know, probably one of the most highest values that you can probably do, like the ability to give back and, um, you know, whether it's, charity or speaking or you know just more philanthropic stuff like what's your idea around that and conversation around most that philanthropic uh, pursuits from entrepreneurs that are six really wildly successful entrepreneurs and i'd say this is just my gut feel i could be wrong but I, I think i'm probably right most really successful entrepreneurs charity efforts are based in ego hmm. meaning that like i when i was at the, the my most 
my ego was most powerful and there's nothing wrong with ego. We'll talk to that in a little bit, but if it's, if it's becoming unhealthy, then it, it can be a problem. And so when I was like most driven by insecurity was I donated a hundred thousand dollars to charity mm. and it, it didn't really fill me up at all. Uh, mm. I wasn't doing it from a kind place. I, I wasn't doing it from a bad place. I mean, I was glad that it was going to help people. I wasn't like, well, I just can't wait to look so good. It wasn't a conscious thing. But subconsciously, I wasn't connected to the gift. Like when you give, and we all know this with presence, as we get older, we like giving gifts more than mm. we do receiving it. When we're younger, we like receiving gifts more than we do giving. And we know that if we give a gift to someone, it feels so amazing. Like if you give your kids gifts and you get to see their face or you give your friends gifts and you get to see their face when they open it, or you do something nice for someone, it feels really nice. So I mm. think that if you do it and, and you can see the, the gift that you actually get to receive from just merely giving it. I think for a lot of people, that's kind of like the hidden power. Like, oh, I think there's this kind of, uh, it's like, you know, you've got to give back mm. as if it's like, you know, I'm completely full and now I'm giving back. Most entrepreneurs are, are pretty empty in terms of their fulfillment. And so mm. to say that like, I'm successful now, I'm going to give back. Yeah, yeah. I would argue that you're not actually that full because you haven't really learned to have a deep sense of joy in your heart. And I would say you concentrate on giving yourself that deep sense of joy in your heart first. So then that can overfill on, mm. onto others. And I think for most people, it, it's kind of like a, it's like a, almost like an arrogant thing to say, mm. I'm giving this, you know, for you, because when you give the person that benefits most is, is actually the person that's giving. Mm people like you know i'm giving back now i'm all sorted in my life i'm giving back and i would say mm. you know it's a gift to give because it's it really serves the person that's giving yeah i probably i actually do 100 percent agree with what you everything you're saying there because it is an ego thing you know having it doing that but probably from a genuine heart based place i i really think that it's you know pretty powerful um when you can give back whether it's you know your yeah, time and that was like contribution from that on one polarity i totally agree with That's what terrible. you're saying you're like I, I, right now check yourself before you're ready <laughs> no but i do agree with what you're saying you know like sometimes it's just to say that you're doing it um and it's well done because you're capable of doing it but it's I you know, know it's is it response but I, i've kind of the second half of it's coming to my mind and the other side of it is the way i believe you can give the most is by being someone that lives with fulfillment for what your fulfillment looks like for you so if for you like for me doing podcast the reason i was just like yes let's do the podcast as soon as you message me is because i love doing podcasts for me this is a win i don't care if i don't get a single follow client i want people to follow me if you're listening to this like at the ryan magic if you resonate go check me out on instagram but it's but but i'm already i get so much from this because it fills my heart with love because this is just what i happen to love doing so Mm -hmm. it legitimately fills me up and the way that i run my business and hiring decisions and business model decisions is 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 mainly 90 percent for me about the quality of my life um so like i I've hired a team now. I've got seven people in my new business. I started a few months ago because I want to be around awesome people. And I love being around people. If I was just working by myself, a little bit of extra profit margin at home by myself, but I wasn't connecting with people. There'd be a a whole less joy in my heart. And so I think the, the way that you can contribute to the world in the highest possible way is legitimately giving yourself the gift of joy and fulfillment and doing the things that you love to do. Cause when you're in that space, you've got way more to give, mm. you know, what do people try to give from like a place that they don't have enough to give in the way of fullness in who they are fulfillment. And if mm. you have that fulfillment, you automatically give, like if you're joyous and you're at the park and you're uh, like reading a book and you've got a big open heart cause you love reading that is really contributing to the world because you're bringing joy and then that your presence impacts other people. You walk past someone, give them a smile. That's going to bring a lot of joy. Whereas if it's like, I'm going to hit this goal and hit this goal and hit this goal, make this money and then give it. It's a little bit different. I feel like the biggest gift is you being fulfilled yourself for your own life. And then you can inspire other people to be the same. 
Mm, very well said. Um, and while you did mention ego, I mentioned it was a chapter in my book. Um, and I, you know, I, the way I look at ego, like one of the really powerful takeaways on my journey is around self-awareness, I think. Um, and, you know, like Ray Dalio said, you know, if you your blind spot, for your ego is could be crushing for you so like i think you know understanding your self-awareness and someone can save you um, but it's important to have a healthy ego too to you know pursue new challenges and goals but understand that if you can't see the blind spots on what brings out the bad side of the equation i'd love to hear yeah, your thoughts I think on that defining what ego is is really important because it's kind of you know there's lots of different definitions for lots of different words out there and i think for me, ego is just your personality and your personality is formed off your upbringing. And it makes sense if you're a young little sponge and you've got parents that you're dependent on and they tell you things that they like you doing and don't like you doing. So you're obviously going to, as a dependent young kid whose survival is based upon their parents' love and protection, going to do the things and and show up in the world the way that they sculpt you to show up because you need them to protect you. So you want to appease them. So if they say, great job for expressing yourself and you become more expressive. If they say, don't make noise when we have guests around, you'll suppress your expression and that builds your personality. If you would say, you know, great job for achieving or, you know, stop being such a show off, they're two opposites. And that person's eager or personality as an adult then is formed based on that. And so your personality makes you unique. It's like your combination of qualities and are you a fast or slow based person are you someone that loves to succeed are you someone that loves to connect are you someone that loves control are you someone that loves to go with the flow all these things are based our personality traits are based upon how we're parented and brought up and the teachers and biggest influences we had younger which is mainly our parents but also some teachers and so if you understand that that's what your personality is then the golden rule that i have is that you want to name it and tame it but never shame it. That's like my rule. So when I say name it, it's like you have to know who you are and you need to know why you are who you are. And a really easy way to find that out in a summary, it's not the full extent of the radical millions of pieces of combinations of qualities that you have, but you can go to any, or you can just Google Enneagram test, E-N-N-E-A-Gram, Enneagram, which is a personality profiling thing you can do for free. And it's going to spit out one of nine main personalities that you have, like personality types that are essentially conditions that you feel you need to meet to be worthy of love. So I'm an achiever giver. So you you usually have like one main one. And then the one, one of the two that are next to it will be your closest, what they call your wing quality, your wing personality. So I'm an achiever. And then my second most proficient one is giver, which means I think I need to give to be worthy. I mean, achieve to be worthy of love. If I don't meet that condition, I don't think I'm worthy of love in that moment, which is why I'll go and fight or fight if I'm not succeeding or if someone else is more successful than me, I'll feel a bit threatened. So it's a condition for my love. Same with giving. If I don't feel like if I'm being really nice and really giving, then I feel like people are going to um, not like me and I'm not worthy of love if I'm not polite and well-mannered as I was taught when I was younger. So, you know, once you understand this, you can, you can start to observe yourself, like you said, the self-awareness and see when these personality traits that aren't inheritively good or bad, it's just how they're used. You can actually be aware of it and witness your behavior. So when it becomes unhealthy, you can name it and then tame it. Um, but a lot of people, when they realize, like when I realized, oh, I need to achieve to be worthy of love, I was like, oh my gosh, my whole life is a lie. And I started to shame what I was inherently makes me unique, which is I am a really driven person. I'm really courageous. I go massive with whatever I set my mind on, which is great. But before it was like the condition needed to be met to be worthy of love. So I'd sacrifice everything for it. And that's when it became unhealthy. When I was literally lost my ex partner at one point in our relationship, like uh, not lost her, like she'd passed away, but she left because I would, wouldn't even take a holiday because mm-hmm. I was so determined. Like I needed to succeed to be worthy of love and I wasn't aware of it. So that lack of awareness meant that it became unhealthy because I couldn't see when my ego was causing problems. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it became unhealthy, but being driven is fine. That's my flavor. <laughs> that's who I am. That's my personality. It's great. But if it becomes unhealthy, I need to name it and tame it. 
but never, never shame it. And I think that's a really important distinction. Yeah. And one of the things, and I do talk about this a lot in the book and along my journey when I find that I'm, um, you know, out doing guests on other people's shows, um, challenges and adversities in life, uh, they're not a matter of if, they're a matter of when and how often. And it's, you know, how you deal with each challenge. And, what you know, I guess time stamping the current situation we're in a bit of unprecedented time and you know that's a challenge for a lot of people like how do you I know probably you're a lot more grounded you know meditating is going to be like really important for you you know and it'd probably be the holy grail answer for you but you know what would you say if they're not meditating what's the next best thing to be doing from uh to get through challenge and adversity great question man and and I will say this I used to be materially confident. That was my only form of confidence and material confidence. I think there's three forms of confidence and I inspire the listeners to intend to improve all three types of confidence. Is the more confident you are, the more bulletproof you are. Most people just have material confidence, which is based upon here are the conditions that need to, it's conditional. Here are the conditions that I need to be meeting to feel good. If I'm not meeting them, I feel bad. And so if your business goes well, you feel great. If it drops, you feel like crap. If your relationship's going well, you feel great. If it drops, you're feeling crap because it's a conditional requirement for you to feel good about who you are and strong in who you are. And then if COVID comes, and this is allowing and exposing a lot of people's conditional confidence uh, in this time, then it's going to drop your business. You're going to feel low and really you're going to have some shame about who you are because mm. your confidence was flimsy. It could go up and down with like the weather. Uh, and that's one form of confidence, but I really encourage people to, to start to incorporate and build your emotional confidence and your spiritual confidence, two different sorts of confidence. So emotional confidence is built based on knowing yourself and starting to learn to love yourself unconditionally. And that's where that self-awareness is really powerful because once you understand who you are, then you can start to understand why you are who you are and you can start to heal some of the traumas from when you were younger that caused you to believe in certain moments that if you didn't hit X, Y, and Z, then you weren't worthy of love. So for me, like when I was younger, again, if I didn't go well, I remember I used to, when I played football growing up every quarter, uh, at the end of the quarter, I would be pretty much crying because I was hyperventilating because I pushed myself so hard because I was so scared that I was going to rock up into the huddle. My dad was always there and he was going to say, what are you doing, mate? Because for me, if he didn't get recognition, I wasn't worthy of love. And so then going back to that and me as an adult talking to that past memory of that child that still lives in, inside of me, if it didn't, then when my business is feeling flimsy, I wouldn't be triggered. I wouldn't give a fuck because that's not me in that moment. There's not actually a reason to feel triggered. But the little kid from the football huddles is still scared that he's not going to get his dad's approval. So I have to address that and I can start to heal that and say to my inner child, mate, I'm here. You're safe. You're worthy of love. I love you. And I've hundred percent got you back and you're perfect the way you are. And really like finding all those places, changing the timestamp, like you said, for this back in time, changing the meaning and the associations that I made for who I needed to be, to be worthy of love. So that if my business kind of drops down a little bit, it doesn't matter because I love myself unconditionally. So I'm less affected. And that emotional confidence is knowing and owning who you are and healing your inner child. And that's something that most entrepreneurs will get so much benefit from. And you can see a psychotherapist to start to unravel and heal some of these traumas and, and understand who you are, do the Enneagram and start to just look back at history and, and start to shine some awareness on that. And spiritual confidence is, is simply trusting that, that you aren't the sole person that's guiding the show. And for me, I didn't grow up in a religious house. I don't, I'm not a Christian. Like I don't have a specific faith, but I just believe in the idea that someone else is guiding my life. I legitimately believe that now. And I can see the value in believing that. And kind of like Tony Robbins, he says, beliefs are just used to be helpful. If you are young and you say youth is power, 
Is it going to help you if you adopt that belief? If you're young, of course it is. If you have the belief that, you know, I'm young and it's hard to be successful when you don't have experience. I mean, it's just going to, even if it's true, it's going to work against you. So you may as well just adopt the beliefs that are going to help you. For me, this spiritual confidence comes in knowing that someone bigger is calling the shots. So it allows me to be accepting no matter what's going on and find the gift in the situation. So with me and COVID, because this is legitimately, I've got enough of a track record and enough evidence now of getting a, a little bit of a sign that goes outside my control, trusting it and following it and it being better and bigger than what I could have ever conjured up myself. I've started to form trust and faith in my intuition. And I believe that I'm, my intuition is guided by spirit, faith, God. I don't really care about the title. I just know that someone bigger, something bigger is guiding me. And that takes all the pressure off. Cause then if something goes to shit, I'm not like, I fucked it up. I'm such a loser. I'm like, okay, cool. God, God, the universe is not always giving me what I want, but is always giving me what I need. Where's the gift in this? Mm. And then I go, hmm, what, what have I, what do I need to learn? Where am I being tested? Why did I get so angry about that? And then I find the thing, heal it and move on even stronger. Whereas in the past, cause it was all me, all my control. I need to get my shit together. Me, 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 material confidence. Mm. Going well, I'm fucking amazing. Going low, I'm a piece of shit. And so my confidence was so flimsy. So when COVID comes around, I'm like, cool, what's it here to teach me? The universe is not going to give me something that's not going to help me evolve. So where's the growth? Where's my stretch? Where's my gap? What do I need to learn from this? How can I grow more from this? Where's the gift in this? What is my intuition telling me to do? And it, it puts me in, in, in a position where I'm always feeling either empowered and, and clear or searching for the gift. And that makes me feel more confident than what anyone or any other thing could make me feel confident with. So emotional and spiritual confidence, most people in business don't have, and therefore they can be less grounded through adversity. Hmm. Yeah. Look, and I, I do say in my book, you know, things don't happen to you. They happen for you. So you do, you know, similar to what you're just saying, you've got to accept um, that, okay, that happened because, you know, I needed to go on this journey instead of this journey. So I, I enjoyed the way you put and that. There's there. also a third, there's um, this model called the, the four stages of consciousness. And it's like, you can be in one of four. The first stage is to me consciousness. The third stage is is for me the second stage is through me so you being a vehicle and a vessel for impact and it's just like god's flowing through the universe is flowing through and the fourth stage is as me which is when you tap into your transcendental meditation and you'll literally feel one with the universe you're completely transcended you know that's not how you're going to operate your life so the intention there is like can you allow yourself to get out the way and just allow god to flow through you, universe to flow through through you as much as possible but if you're in true me like it's happening to me, I'm a victim, victim mode, first stage of consciousness, then, you know, how is this working for me? And then how can I allow God to flow through me? Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm, very powerful. At the end of every episode, always ask a few rapid fire questions, which are not necessarily requiring rapid fire answers. Um, you listed a book there. Is there any other books that you would recommend people so to check out? Because I did six videos in a row before I did this podcast, six different book review videos with stacks of different books. Um, because for TikTok, I'm doing six TikToks a day. Um, yeah. So I, I would say my all-time favorite business book that's just amazing is uh, Scaling Up by Vern Harnish, if you're aware of that book. No, I haven't just like uh, read that OG one. It's just like Gangster. It's by Vern Harnish who founded EO, okay, Entrepreneurs yeah. Organization. Okay, yeah, Entre It literally yeah. just gives you every single thing you need to do to scale from a mil to a hundred mil. And, and more to a mm. mil. It's just got every single thing you need, every way to go about running team wow. meetings. It's just the most powerful business book I've ever read by a million miles. It's like just the original gangster business book. It's got everything. If you literally just did everything in that you, and you've got a profitable business model, there's no way that you won't scale to a hundred mil. It's impossible. It's just like it's formula. So it's really powerful. Definitely to check that out. I, I recommended that pretty hard. <laughs> um, one of my favorite uh, books for men, I know you probably have, men and women so mm. women it's uh, ladies that it'd also be worth you reading to understand men a little bit better but it's um it's called king warrior magician lover and it is a book that 
describes the, the, the archetypes that every man has within them. And it allows you to understand kind of where you're strong and where, where you're weak in the different archetypes and, and get a more well-rounded, <clears throat> grounded kind of form of being a man. It's, it's a really powerful book. Right. Um, I'd recommend Understanding Women for a Relationship book, mm. which is uh, by a lady called Alison Armstrong, who's just, mm. the, the audio version is her delivering a seminar. It's so yeah. powerful. And she starts the book by saying, you know, when you watch a Nat Geo animal documentary, they always start by talking about the difference between the male and the female specimen of that animal type, that species. And, but why do we not understand the difference in masculine and feminine energy? And then she yeah. describes it all and everything. Like if you listen with your partner, if you're in a, a, a male female relationship, if you listen with your partner, it's one of those books where you're just like, Oh, that, yep. Ah, oh, that happens. Oh, that makes so much sense. And it's just the whole time. It's really awesome. Um, what else? Productivity, BJ, BJ Fogg uh, is the author. Tiny Habits, that best productivity book I've ever read in my life. Right. Um, there's a lot. And what about spiritual? You mentioned, is there a good yeah, book? Yeah, there's a series People of should... six books known as The Vedas, which are 5,000-year-old books. And so I would just, but you don't, you can't read them because they're in Sanskrit and the translations are pretty interesting. So what I would just do is just say, uh, start doing Vedic meditation or transcendental meditation. And you can usually do a 12 month course called the Vedas. Mm. I spent over $500,000 on personal development. And then I did this course cost mm. a few grand, like super cheap. And then I was, it was just like the most powerful course on personal development and spiritual development, just life. Every single thing is like a hundred percent true, makes perfect sense and changes the way that you live your life. Mm. Incredible. And that's where I got the, the, the model of what they call the three layers of awareness and the physical, emotional and spiritual layer where I spoke about confidence, material, emotional, spiritual. They've got the karma kandu, pasna kandu, gyan kandu. Like most of the concepts are in Sanskrit, ancient Indian dialect, which mm. essentially is that every situation you can view through three lenses. They've got like 40 other concepts like that that just change the way you view the world mm. for the better. It's amazing. Um, what about the best bit of advice you've ever received? Money doesn't make you happy. But I feel like that's one of the um, pieces of advice that you need to experience mm. to actually make a decision to change your course. It's one of those things that you hear a million times and mm. you don't listen because you, yeah. you have to try it for yourself yeah um, but n nevertheless i like to honor it because so many people attempt to give that message and i don't think many people listen <laughs> it is a good point because everyone always goes oh if i was making a hundred thousand dollars a year that'll fix all my problems and i'll be happy if i'm making a million dollars a year that'll fix all my problems i'll be happy but it never does a new set of problems just comes up so it's pretty good it's advice really when you realize that it still takes courage to then make a change because it's so difficult. And this is what Tony Robbins says. The most powerful force in the whole universe is the force that, that is keeping us uh, attached to showing up as the version of ourself that we think people perceive us as. So essentially that means like, if I think that I'm this person that runs this normal business and that's the way that people perceive me, it's really difficult to make a change and just, do something different. So it's really difficult when, you know, you realize that money doesn't make you happy mm. to then let go and, and change your business model to be one. Because most entrepreneurs that I know that are wildly successful, I've got heaps of entrepreneurial friends that make between five and 150 mil a year, heaps. And, you know, most of them don't do what they love in, within the business. They're just always doing what the business needs most. Mm. Like if you're making, if you've got like a net worth of a, a multi eight figures, even multi seven figures. Mm -hmm. I mean, why would you not just choose to do what you enjoy most? Like some of my entrepreneurial friends love the creative side of the product development, but don't give themselves permission to do it at all. They're always just doing the shit that they don't like in their business. So to have the courage to change things when you have the awareness is the real test.
Yeah, interesting you say that. Like I, a, a couple of years ago, I bought a, a house, uh, you know, on the Mornington Peninsula, just on the beach, as a bit of a getaway home, and it was it was really just something for me for my life. Where um, so I wanted to, you know, spend time by the beach, you know, getting out of the city of Melbourne, blah blah blah. And I was uh, so that was that fulfilled me in a way because I felt that it was going to provide memories, you know, turning money into memories. So my friend was talking to me today about you know and he his, his money doesn't matter to him like he's in a really healthy place and he had his has his happy place and he was asking me about you know spend right. yeah <laughs> but he's talking he's asking me my opinion on spending you know multiple multiple millions of dollars on a, a, a house set for this i said look i don't make you know you you don't you've got enough money to last you for you know, two times over now, like, so do what makes you happy, you know, for your family, go up there and, you know, that's going to bring joy to your life, like, it's a no-brainer because you can afford it 10 times over. And I said, that's why I bought my house a few years ago and, you know, it wouldn't be the best financial decision probably people saying, oh, you're leaving an empty home and, you know, an expensive house and the beach, they're empty. But I said, but for me, I bought that because I want to turn money into memories and I believe... I believe that, um, you know, being parked down there an hour out of town, my wife and I got married down that way. We were traveling down there three to four times a year and I could just see in my own vision, my kids, you know, just having a, a, a really good experience and upbringing by being able to spend time down there and probably hits home to what you were just talking about yeah, there. And in the spirit of giving as well, you can also wait your friends, like your new friend, Ryan, just go down and use it when they as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what we do. We take friends down there to have, you know, a, you know, a good time and we have good times with our friends and, you know, they get to go and stay in a nice house and it's not the best house in the world, but it's a really nice house and it's right on the beach. So it's happy. Um, but um, that's that's all about experience, and I, I do use the word. I turn my money into memories a lot. You know, I have travelled to 120, 120 different cities around the world, but it's because I want experience. You know, I want you know the memory. Um, and um, so, so moving on, what's the worst bit of advice you've ever had? My my uncle saying, "Go to uni." <laughs> I hope he's not watching this because he meant well. Um, <laughs> But it was the worst piece of advice for me because there wasn't time taken to understand. And same thing with my mum. My mum kicked me out of home when I was 18 because I didn't go to uni. So mm. I just got back from a weekend seminar and all my bags and stuff was packed on the front porch and had multiple kind of like discussions where she and my, my stepdad sat me down and like convinced me to stay uh, in to get a job and you know, I didn't want to, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, and so the worst advice that I've ever received is projected advice where people don't take the time to listen or understand what I actually might want. Kind of mm. like if I went to a friend and just said, why are you working a job? You should be in business. It's like, that's not, that's not the, I don't have the right to give that advice because I'm not that person. I don't know them. Maybe if I asked what they wanted and they said they wanted to do that, mm. I could support with it. But I think it's really important to understand that everyone's different mm. and respect people for who they are. Yeah. And what about your, you know, your um, business moving forward? What's your vision for that? And where do people find you? Yeah, cool. So the where the people find me, I'll answer that first. So the Ryan magic on Instagram is where I am the most active and I do stories every day. And you know, just show lots of vulnerable stuff of what's going on. And I love it. If I ever do a podcast and someone tunes in, and there's something that they get from it, I do this because I love like, being able to make a difference with my own uh, stories and experience. So if you shoot me a mess message on Instagram and just connect it and say, hi, I listened to you on Craig's podcast, that would be super special for me. So I'd love that if you added me on Insta and sent me a message. Um, and in terms of my vision, my most important thing for me is having a, an amazing experience of life moment to moment. So the way that I run my business at the moment, it's wrapped around all my biggest passions. So doing podcasts, like I run a podcast called the Ryan magic show and I interview people that I'm super pumped to interview. And then I make clips that are reviewing movies. Cause I love watching movies that have messages. <laughs> Everything that I do is centered around what I love to do. 
And so, and then I do my best to have aligned discomfort. So whenever I tune, when, when I say I do my best, I always take that aligned discomfort action every day and every week. It's like my superpower. So, you know, I love challenging myself. I love growing. And the way that I do that is by embracing the unfamiliar and the unknown in a way that's exciting for me and aligned with me. And at the moment, just growing my brand and doing podcasts and interviewing people on the podcast. And I'm writing a book as well called mm -hmm. Mind Your Business um, about bringing mindset into business. Um, you know, I just love this stuff. Yeah. And look, I've, uh, you know, I, I reached out to you yesterday and you said, yep, let's do it. You know, and you sent me a message. You've got one shot, you know, we're doing it today. And I, I really valued the conversation. There's so many different, I guess, in, I don't know if it, beliefs is the right words, but the behaviors, beliefs, you know, we have got a lot of similarities in, you know, I guess the way that we see the world and the way we operate in the world. So I found it quite fascinating having the conversation. And um, for me, I really, you know, really enjoyed to be talking to you and uh, looking forward to watching your journey a little bit awesome. more closely. I really appreciate you having me on today. And for the listeners that tuned in, like, I really hope that you can feel into like, what's one thing that was uh, building up inside of you in terms of a, a, a learning and how can you transfer that into action so that I can know that I've changed your life, not just inspired your life. That would be amazing for someone to take a little action away. What an incredible conversation with Ryan Magic. There's so much to unpackage in that conversation. You may even have to go back and listen to it again. There was books to go and read. There was resources and tools that can help improve your life. There was a lot of value in that conversation. Um, if you have not got my book, you've got one shot, head across to my website, which is simply my name, craigschultz.com. Um, as always, I ask everyone to share these podcast episodes give us feedbacks get the message out there if somebody should listen to it make sure you forward it on to them it's really important a lot of guests ask about audience and audience numbers so you can add value and help me get and secure real high quality guests by providing that support uh, at the end of every episode i always say to people you've got one shot at life go out there and give it your best shot my name's craig schultz and i'm the host of the one shot movement podcast